Welcome to the Academy of Esports podcast. I'm your host, James O'Hagan. I'm here with Mike Dolly. He is with the Wisconsin High School Esports Association. He's the president of the association. He's my president because I'm also in the state of Wisconsin. And Mike is also now back in the classroom. He's back in the saddle. He's teaching at Elkhart. It's not Elkhorn, right? Elkhorn. Elkhorn, sorry. In Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Mike, thank you for being on the Academy of Esports podcast today. Thanks for finally having me on, James. Oh, that see that was a, that was a that was a, a, a that was that was not nice. We'll just say <laughs> that wasn't nice. No, I have I I will admit I have not done a good job of promoting uh, my own state other than through myself, um, which I am actually working to fix. And this is one of the first ways I, I am doing it because we have great stuff happening all the time here in Wisconsin with regards to esports. I mean, between our association, what we're doing in our schools, uh, 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, how they're involved with esports and Tariq Moody and his efforts with FallX. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks have been incredibly welcoming. I mean, we've got good stuff going here, don't we? Believe it or not, yes. <laughs> I do believe it. <laughs> I do believe it. But, you know, it, it's. It, it, I will say that for you and I, let's just take you and I, let's take everybody else out of this. It did not start off, I will say it was friendly, but it was stressed. And I think that's what a lot of people maybe in the esports industry, especially scholastic esports, are kind of feeling when they first meet other people in their own state or across state lines. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> starting out, I mean, I originally remember reading an article because, like, mm -hmm. I'm from the Roscoe-Rockford area where you formerly were a part of the school district down there. Mm -hmm. So I remember even in college reading an article about, I think, one of the first grants that, that you got in order to deck out one of the rival high schools that we used to compete against. So, I mean, I've known of you, and then I finally started working with you randomly a couple of years later. So it was it's kind of always crazy how circles come full circle, you know? Well, and what's what, and again, I say it's stressed because again, you're doing your work up at Arrowhead at the time. I'm doing my work in Racine at the time. And I don't, it's like, we're working in silos. None of us knew, you know, Brian was over in Clinton, Wisconsin, and, and Nathan was up in Germantown and, you know, we had people everywhere and we weren't in any concert. And of course we're all, doing our own thing and we're leading our own thing and we're participating in our own way. And I could see where all of a sudden, when we all start to figure out who's what and who's where and who does what, that there could be stress. Because again, it's like, you're not going to tell me how to run my program after I've been running it for fine for several years. But, you know, I think what's been great is that we've all seen past all this and we've all really come together. And I think in some really positive ways now, even more so across state lines, even that I'm starting to see. And, and I think the reason that that is, is because we all have the same objective in mind, right? Is order to create the best experience possible for our students. And so, although we have maybe differing philosophies at the heart of everything that we are doing, our students are number one and are mm -hmm. always number one. So I think we can look back, look past certain, I don't know, I guess personalities or something, <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately we're serving the same target audience. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that we have, even though initially we may have had some uh, issues, and I won't call them issues, but, you know, again, stress, uh, as we were trying, trying to figure out who does what and who is good at what and whatever, um, you're right, since we do, we do have that common love. And, and I think it leads to ultimately this democratization of esports, you know, the nonprofit associations that are building and working with the kids and getting to know our kids and saying, Hey, it's not just the, the AAA titles that we need. We need to look at some other game titles as well, too. We need to consider, you know, can we have some flexibility and freedom to do our own thing? And again, that's where NACEF I think has done a great job of helping people. HSEL has a fantastic, you know, they, they'll, they have pretty much almost every other game you could think of until Blizzard or Riot tell them they can't for some reason. And, um, and, and that I think has been great about, again, the democratization, even as like our, I take our association versus let's take Indiana and Indiana said, Hey, we want to make, you know, John down there is all about Forza and, and, and including racing because it's a big thing down there. Right. So it, there, it's been this beautiful thing. It's not been easy, but no, it's beautiful. 
And I think every school has their niche, right? Like they have gamers everywhere that aren't necessarily playing the biggest and baddest game that's out there. I mean, the amount of emails that I've actually had from students for like World of Tanks, which is a game that has like under 3,000 monthly users on Steam. Mm-hmm. And I have those kids reaching out because it's big at their school. Um, so it's it's always fascinating to me the amount of emails that I get from students that are like, hey, have you thought about adding this? And I'm like, I didn't know anybody played that. And then all of a sudden I get seven or eight other emails about it. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I need to look more, more into this and, and see what the feasibility of it is or what are constraints that the game could put onto our schools or what are the barriers of entry into this game too? So there's, I take every email and every suggestion serious and I, I do my due diligence to look it up too. That is something I do admire about you. Uh, Mr. Dolly is that you do do your due diligence. Yes. That's what I admire about you. <laughs> and it, and it is, and, and it is that um, I think too, why I think for the association, you really were the perfect person to, to lead because um, you really do, I think, l- listen to everybody and and try to find a commonality, which is great. But at some point, too, we also knew just even when we were talking about adding a 2K division, just how much work it is just to run the four games that we do right now. And I think people don't realize because they just see, oh, it's just a matter of taking this game and now launching it in a different platform or putting it on a different console. It's <clears throat> much more than that. Yeah. I mean, just the scheduling alone. uh, I mean, now we're, I mean, we're different compared to a lot of the other States. Like a lot of them are using like challenge or Battlefy or something along those lines in order to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like the flexibility that we have um, in order to ensure that we get the most games possible or if schools are having some sort of issue. um, You know, if all of a sudden, you know, we've had network outages this week at school. So, Oh yeah. I mean, we have to be flexible with that and being able to do it by ourselves. We're able to hold on to some of that and uh, increase in flexibility. Or if all of a sudden, you know, a school has three seniors drop out or something along those lines, um, then we have to rework the whole schedule. And there's a lot that goes into the background of that as well, um, especially as I'm starting to get registration material ready to go. So I know I think last year it was like three or four times I I would have to remake entire division schedules and stuff like that. So I don't mind doing it, but uh, it is a bit of a, a pain in the butt. Sometimes you, you did have quite a bit that you needed to do. Yes. You, you <laughs> seemed like you were always changing the schedule or, you know, I think the things that people don't realize is that just how much can go as beautiful as it can be. And as fun as it can be, there's a lot that can happen on a match day such as a team doesn't show up, which is probably the easiest thing. Or in the case we had last year where it was, I think a student got into a car accident the day of, 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 of a state final or tournament match and totally fine. The student was fine. They were just rear-ended, but they decided to go home rather than go to school. And then the question was, well, can we then forfeit or not forfeit? Can we reschedule because our player couldn't come to school today? And it was, it was Travis Witt who said, who's also a football coach is like, Hey, if the, if the star quarterback can't play that day, guess what you put in your backup. And mm-hmm. I think what people seem to think too, with these sports is they don't realize just how competitive it's supposed to be or else it's just a game club at that point. And I think that's a, that's something that you have to establish in your culture uh, of your program early on, right? Like this isn't just a casual gaming thing. If you want to compete at the state level, you're going to compete at the state level. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there's certain situations that are outside of your control. Um, and I understand if you're playing with five of your best friends and all of a sudden your one can't make it, you don't want to play with somebody else. But th- sorry, that's not the real world. Like you still got to, you know, push through and get going. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sometimes then you need to set that standard. And our students have never been held to that kind of standard when they've been playing online. Um, so once you enter, you take that next step into organized competition. It's not just a show up and play when you feel like it or like, mm, sorry, I have band practice too. Like, where's your dedication? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's funny that you, you know, uh, you know, we, one of our goals of our program is to redefine athletic culture. That doesn't mean we're trying to take the competitive side away. You know, that that's not redef- that's not redefinition of athletic culture. That is, 
again, it's either a game club or it's esports. And it's for some people, it, it's very hard to know the difference. People think it's really cool to say, look, I'm running an esports program. And then you look below the surface and you go, mm, you're really not. You're just letting kids come in and play a bunch of video games. And I think there's there's value in that, though. I mean, Mike, talk about the experience you had with with your students. At, I think it was Arrowhead, right? Where you had. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm going to do my best in order to try to help make that something at Elkhorn, too, is um, I always ran what I called Fun Friday. And Fun Friday was literally just a casual gaming day. Uh, we usually would run from about 2.30 to 5. Um, I would bring in, like, sometimes my N64, and we'd run, you know, the original Smash or Mario Kart, or uh, I brought in 007 GoldenEye once, and that crashed and burned real hard. Uh, but, Why? That's such um, a great game. Oh, is it just it, the kids? or The kids, they, they're so used to having two joysticks, to be able to aim and stuff like both axes and they're they were so on the n64 controller just completely like well how do we how does this work you have to stop moving hold down r and then use your center joystick to aim so they're so used to being able to run and shoot and uh at at first my whippersnapper young whippersnappers get out of here my first one was like first one to five uh eliminations gets to move on and then it was like 15 minutes goes by and the score's like one to zero and it's oh no first one to get an elimination moves on but uh you needed some 90s college kids you know with like their (laughs) with their uh what are those awful knitted sweaters that we had in college it was like um they looked like a, uh, uh, oh, I forgot what they were called, but they were like these real knitted hoodies. I know what you're talking about and what uh, what our nickname for them was. Um, I mean, not usually educational friendly, but they were usually called like drug rugs. Yeah. Yeah. So. Or you see the kids who are playing hacky sack were wearing those. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But, but you take some of those kids and put them in GoldenEye. It wouldn't have taken 15 minutes. No, it would have taken 30 seconds for some of them. But right. uh, I mean, so, and then if kids wanted pizza, um, I got really close with our local Domino's um, and I would get reward points and stuff like that. So if kids wanted pizza, they could bring $5. They got two slices um, and we would just kind of have like a little pizza party there. If I had enough points, I'd buy extra pizzas then for everybody because we collected it over the year. So that way no student could miss out that way too. Uh, but I mean, there were some some Fridays where I'd have 60 kids packed into my my classroom parents dropping off spare TVs at home so kids could set up and they were playing under tables. Um, we had another room that was dedicated to like tabletop mm-hmm. where I had some other staff members that would come in and they would play like um, exploding kittens and settlers of Catan and stuff like that. And it was something for everybody. And it was awesome. It was probably the best experience I've had of just like almost running a gaming lounge myself. And now it's almost like, <sighs> You know, I, I, I'm I'm sure we're all tired. We're all tired. But we think back to that. Right. And you're probably thinking back to it going, man, that was a lot of work. But boy, I'm sure given the condition and state that we're in right now, we look forward to getting back to those times when we can have big events like that, where we can just say, hey, we're going to do pizza and video games and hang out tonight. I mean, that, I mean, that sounds, sounds awesome. so easy now, doesn't it? It sounds so simple. <clears throat> but uh, we, you know, we can't, we have to live in the time that we're in right now. So living in the time we're in right now, um, I know that the high school associations across the country are trying to find ways to, uh, compete in different ways, but with your own school and your own school district that you're in right now in Elkhorn, how are you approaching this year? Just as somebody who's overseeing a team, not as the association president, but just as somebody who says, I don't, our association isn't starting until November. How do we get from here till then? What are some of the things that you're doing to help get your kids engaged? Um, Well, right now, I mean, this was our first week of school. So I'm four days in. Um, I'm still trying to develop a lot of the the report with some of the students. I've got to meet a couple of students that played on last year's league team, Mm -hmm. um, which I was pleasantly surprised that they were both young ladies. Um, So I've got to connect with them in class. Um, I know... We are starting to, to get back up. We have a couple of switches. Um, I'm relatively worried as far as like contact. Um, so I'm trying to um, work with the other advisor that's been there since the beginning um, to try to figure out what we can do as far as how many controllers that we have. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if students can provide their own controllers for the switch, so that way we're not constantly changing controllers as we're rotating students out, uh, for, even just for fun tournaments, um, trying to minimize the amount of spread if we're able to do physical. Um, and again, this is still kind of all up in the air for us too. Um, and your district's all remote right now? No, no, we're we're in person. Uh, we're in half person. Half full classes, what? I have 29 in my first hour. Um, oh my. Yeah, so I'm having students wipe down their desks every day with cleaning solution when they come in. The next group comes in, they wipe everything down. I spent about 30 to, yeah, probably about 30 minutes today ensuring that I wipe down seats, I wipe down other surfaces, that, like my doorknob, you know, just anything and everything that I can wipe down essentially um, to mm-hmm. try to help contain the spread um, that's there. So, um, yeah, we got large classes. I have some students that are remote. Um, so I'm trying to also jockey teaching with students that have PC access at home to software and then those that are on Chromebooks and how I can figure out how to get um, access to specific software remotely as well. So wow. that yeah. is a uh, that is a conundrum of a teaching day that you have there, multiple means of access. But um, I'm just kind of stunned uh, with all that. Uh, I don't know where to go with that because it, <laughs> to me, well, because again, we're all remote in my district. So the idea of 29 students plus kids who are remote on one platform plus kids who are remote on another platform. I know you're not trying to throw your school district under the bus, but I mean, that is something that is, that is incredibly challenging in and of itself as a teaching job. I mean, it is, um, I'm, but because I'm so comfortable doing the live stream, um, like, cause I've been shoutcasting and whatnot for, for us for, uh, like two years now, I think that I'm really comfortable in this kind of like online semi remote space. Um, and I know a lot of my fellow staff members aren't, um, and I know our veteran teachers, you know, that maybe, you know, they've been in the classroom for 20 years and they're used to doing it that way. Um, I really like challenging environments. I think I thrive kind of under that, that pressure, which is another reason why I really like doing what I do here um, mm-hmm. because it's a new challenge every day and I'm okay taking on those challenges. But um, yeah, it, I mean, it's tough and, and finding free resources available that are out there um, can be tough finding um, if we, if we do eventually go all remote, how am I going to transition uh, to even just then accommodating the two uh, avenues that they can attain um, class through. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do worry about some of that, but um, I like to think I'm pretty creative to go with it. But Well, and the good news too, with all of this, of course, is that esports is COVID proof. <laughs> no. No, it's not. No, uh, I. But I do. I do say though. We know it's not COVID proof, and I say that half in jest. But I, you know, the the term I've started to come around to at least is COVID resistant. But it's always with a catch. And again, Elkhorn is a is an area that's west of where I live. It's in Racine County. I think it's still Racine County, or maybe it's Walworth. It's Walworth. But it's in a pretty farm area. It's a farm community. Um, access isn't ubiquitous out there, is it? No, actually, uh, I just got done talking about this in class today. Um, cause we were talking about, uh, com- like the competitive environment as far as like under the capitalistic economy. Mm-hmm. And so I always bring up the internet service providers, um, and whether or not it's truly, if there is com- competition in certain areas for it and talking with my students, we had great discussion today. I have one student that um, gets a service out to their house, and they get one megabyte per second. I have Did you say one, one, one megabyte per second. So it's, but that would be sixty mega. Okay. Oh my god. Oh no. Yeah. Sorry, I had to do the math, folks. Okay. Yeah. In my head. For whatever uh, reason, I was thinking one mile per hour. I'm like, what? No, that's just silly. Okay, so one meg down. Yep. And then okay. I have that's another technically broadband. What? That's technically, according to the FCC, that is not even broadband. That is a 25th of what they consider an appropriate download speed. And then I have a couple young ladies that uh, inform me that they don't have internet access at home. 
Um, they use their parents' phone when they come home from work in order to be able to access Google Classroom. Um, so I've been sending textbooks home with them, even though I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, because it's another contact point um, that if students are sharing books, I can't wipe down pages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't even make my resources digital for her or for them to access. So I'm getting real creative with with how lenient and flexible that I am with them, too, because it's not their fault that they don't have Internet access where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's simply the service doesn't go out there. And and I know I've heard you speak about this before, and it's something that I'm right on board with, too, is that Internet really needs to be considered a utility. Like it is no different than having water and heat in your house these days. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. It's- well, and it, it's going to require I mean, the, the reason why electricity got into certain areas that it did was because the government said, here's incentive to do it like the Tennessee Valley Authority projects, the damming of the South, the, you know, all those things. It was, it was, it was finally, they said, look, we have to have electricity. It's almost like a national security issue at this point. In a lot of ways, internet service is becoming, it's a, it's an access to education. It's an access to banking and everything else that goes on pretty much in the United States. I remember living when I lived out in the country, um, we had 3g service. We didn't have 4g at the time. It was 3g service. And I could even tell then that, you know, cell phone service even then was not uh, up to par. And I drive out in those areas now and you will find great areas of lack of anything uh, for long stretches of road. So uh, thinking about just how with these kids, with esports, and and where they get their access, especially in these farm communities, especially in these rural areas, the only places a lot of times they can do it is in school. And right now we have a real problem, obviously. Um, so with regards to the startup of the Wisconsin high school esports association, even though I've been in all the meetings, um, with, well, most of them when I pay attention, um, (laughs) what is, how are, how are you saying not just our association, but are you getting a sense of other associations, how they're looking to attack this, uh, proactively? Because I know, when March rolled around, we all, it felt like we all got gut punched and it took us several months to get our feet under us. We didn't do our spring varsity level championship for rocket or for riots, uh, um, league of legends until July. So how are we going to change up this year? Flexibility. Um, and, and because every single school district across the state, I feel, is not doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it really, it's really hard to just create a blanket statement. Um, so I think this year, um, I mean, I might just put it on my email and be like, patience, patience, patience. And bold it, underline it, make it red, maybe even find a GIF of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we have to do that in order to try to help all of these these students because again like this is their community this is what we want to help them connect to with their peers and their interests um and, and finding different avenues um and d- maybe different titles even um that we can that we can offer uh, just for some sort of competition right like we yeah we're offering smash um and overwatch again this 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 fall Mm-hmm. Um, but what are we going to do for those kids that are console players that don't have a PC at home, mm-hmm. right? So if they don't have a PC at home, they can't play on their official varsity team because that's that's a PC one. So right. how can we accommodate those students? Same with Smash. What if they don't have the Nintendo Online at home? Like what if they're only a solo player? So getting really creative, um, my goal with registration, and I know that I'll get a, a bunch of emails about this, is really working as much as I can one-on-one with each school so I can understand where exactly that they are, what barriers that is facing each school, so that I can try to work one-on-one with each of these schools to try to come up and get creative with how we can help them still compete. Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I really want to start looking at some of these mobile titles that we have. Um, because again, talking with some of my students, they at least have unlimited data on their phone. Oh, that's good for them. I know. And that's huge. And, but again, I know that's not every student. So Mm -hmm. trying to find something that they can do, um, 
that's mobile. So like TFT, Legends of Runeterra, um, anything else that that may be out there if we have to try Clash Royale or even. Well, we've got the new Pokemon game hopefully coming out here soon. I mean, I still play Pokemon Go, so I mean, I'm okay Nerd. with that too. Yeah. Nerd. Yeah. But I walk 50 kilometers a week during quarantine with my pup. Um, so I can hatch all my eggs and get all my special bonuses for that week. So, so well, that works. Active outside, right? Um, but I well, mean, I, just trying right. to find additional things in order to still bring in our students, so that, that way they are still connected despite being remote and maybe even isolated. I know that one of the things that we're looking to do. Um, right now is we are doing more of the Friday fun nights. In fact, a couple of our high schools are doing online Friday fun nights and they're literally just writing down on paper. Hey, this kid's playing this kid and this play. And, the, and then they're doing, they have it set up where they do a Google meet so that they have uh, one of the, one of the general managers is watching. So they've got some adult, you know, in the room kind of thing. But one of the things we did realize really quickly, even if we go back in November, we're still going to probably have some social distancing that we have to do. Um, and as you say, patience, I know where I've got five high schools in one space, the max number we can stick in not your parents' basement right now is 30. That includes their staff and everybody else. So we're going to have to come up, get really creative, possibly on some days where we have matches. But the other thing we decided to do too and this isn't a slap, obviously, at the Wisconsin High School Association. It's more towards us. Uh, and what we're facing right now is we said, look, our JVs, we have so many JV teams that we were, we're going to just operate our JVs in-house. Like we're going to do our own, like our, we're looking at our, I, I know I'm just dropping this on you right now on the podcast. I love seeing the look on your face. No, <laughs> but we're looking at seriously, like, Case High School could have had three JV Overwatch teams and and Horlick could have had two of them. Um, we're going to just try to do things in-house. That way, hopefully, we can grow our number of kids but still participate at the varsity level. Or we might participate with one junior varsity and then uh, you know have multiple junior varsities for our other groups. But again, we have to look and see what the spacing is going to be and what we're allowed to do. See, and like I think that's a fantastic alternative because you have that ability, you have like in Racine there, you have the six different high schools uh, that you can, you have that player base that you can do some of these alternative settings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, that that's really beneficial for you. And so, I mean, I'm going but that to, that doesn't work for Elkhorn. No, no, it doesn't work for us. Um, so Elkhorn again, too, kind of has like a unique experience or a unique <laughs> setup too. in the fact that, they have laptops um, that have Overwatch and stuff loaded on them. So at least we can separate students out and like mm -hmm. really socially distance them as well. Um, for schools that have desktops, I know that's going to be hard. I know for uh, in July when we hosted our state championship, I know uh, Stevens Point um, was still using the UW Stevens Point lab. Oh, boy. Uh, and they were socially distanced uh, because it was a it's it's a very large lab. Um, the mm. advisor who oversees Stevens Point is also an adjunct professor at UW Stevens Point, so she had access to the lab. The students were all wearing masks. They're all socially distanced all across the the labs themselves. Took all the proper protocols and cautions, mm. um, and, and was still able to make it happen that way. So, I mean, every every school is in such a unique situation that. Again, I, I just can't make a blanket statement that says, like, you have to do it this way. Like, as long as you have an adult that's in the room helping with responsibility, coordination, appropriateness, like, as long as we're providing a, a, a positive experience for the students, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. So let's shift gears. I'm going to ask you a very direct question, because starting an association is not for the faint of heart. Those of you who are maybe going into this process right now and thinking, oh, we'll have everything set up in three months and it'll be beautiful. What has been out of this whole process? I think, God, we're on year two of it now and we're, we, we've got a lot of things lined up. We got a lot of things taken care of. Uh, I know a lot of people have come to us asking, how do you do this? And we've helped some along the way. But what by far has been, I guess, 
the biggest surprise or the hardest thing you've had to deal with is in in working with this group? A lot of us. I mean, there's a lot of us who have done a lot of work, but I know you've been the face of it. What has been the hardest part of all this so far? Being forced to walk when I want to run. Um, I want to go, 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 go. Um, mm-hmm. And and I have all of these companies, products, brands trying to reach out. And and I take a lot of meetings to kind of sit through and listen to different platforms and, and different opportunities that are coming to our students. And as much as I want to say yes to everything, because I'm like, that could open so many doors. That could do so much for, for what we're doing here. But um, now as a nonprofit, like having to take a step back and kind of get reeled back in, which is why I... I appreciate our skeptics um, who play devil's advocate on the board all the time to challenge everything that I want to say yes to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've done it too. Yep. Yep. And I, I mean, I just value everybody's opinion on our board um, because of all the experiences that the board has that I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think while that's a struggle for me to want to say yes to everything and get all these doors open, I think the team that we've assembled that's really stepped up in the state of Wisconsin has been has really been kind of my rock within this whole situation um, mm-hmm. because I have others that I can trust that I can rely upon in order to to help out. Um, so I, I, mean, that. I, I really appreciate everybody that's been helping with this because there's no way I think I could have done all of this single handedly. Well, and the beautiful part of all this too, again, is we had to develop trust. Like it didn't, again, as we went through this sniffing out period between all of us, there wasn't necessarily trust always there. It was, there was skepticism between all of us and where's the skepticism coming from and why am I getting so much pushback here? What's this all about? And again, there's people with different expertise. There's people with different interests that came to this. And it was a matter, I mean, it was really a baptism by fire in some ways, because again, we were kind of just thrown together out of a common interest, a common passion, and somehow we made it work. And, you know, I would hate to see the state association that doesn't have this happen, but luckily it seems that most state associations, again, built around the common passions, around the common love, for the most part, have also had their baptisms by fire to a certain degree, but that's because there's really no book on how to do this. I mean, there's a book on how to make a nonprofit, but to run an esports association for schools, it's very different than, I don't know, creating a platform and just selling it to schools and saying, now we'll, we'll put together all your matches for you. Very different. Yeah. And I, and I think again, it's a kind of a testament to, to what this, educational esports is too is that again we all share the same common purpose and the mentality in the classroom too is usually like hey i I, i'm looking for an idea for a new lesson like is there anybody out there that can help me you know we used to have the the mailing lists and stuff like that and now you know with discord especially for esports but i mean like there's different facebook groups for business teachers and and other um courses that i teach that we're so used to sharing resources mm-hmm. and sharing experiences that we can really give and take a lot because we understand kind of what everybody's going through in the classroom or within their the, the K-12 industry itself. And so being able to share these resources with all the other states, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has been sharing, like whether it's their bylaws, whether it's like their rules and regulations for specific titles, Um, how they're approaching um, some of the COVID stuff, how they're approaching certain brands and sponsors that are approaching them, um, opportunities that maybe only currently in their state, but they're like, hey, we want to open this to other states, like start getting the word out. Mm -hmm. And so no one holds everything super close to their chest. Everybody's willing to be like, hey, I'm working on something. I can't tell you all the details right now, but I'll let you know the second that I, I can. And I want to bring all of you guys in too. Well, it hasn't. And, it, and again, it hasn't always been that way. There have been people, rightfully so, who have done a ton of work. And it's like, oh, that's a really cool idea. Can you tell us how you're doing it? 
And it's like, uh, you know, they're holding it close to their chest. And I get it because, again, these are our, th- this is where our passion is. This is where, you know, we the the sweat equity has come in. It's like, just give it away. I mean, I know we do it a lot in education. And I think that's one of our biggest problems is I, I love the emails or the messages I get. I want to pick your brain. Oh, my God. Stop picking my brain. Do the work. Like do the research. Don't just come to me and say you want to pick my brain and then walk away or pay me. <laughs> One of the two. I will say to you, there are so many predators. And yes. I, say, I say predators in this because I know they see our students as a dollar sign and not yes. a student. So I'm okay with this gatekeeping role that I may have too, to say like, your, your first line is me, but I mean, usually if they're coming to the state of Wisconsin, they hit you first. And then I call you, I call you the bouncer because if I they love get, to bounce, if they get through you, then it's like, okay, they cleared James. So they must be all right. So if I hear that they've talked to you and then they come to me, I'm like, okay, all right. They must be kosher. I, I do love to bounce and I like, and there is nothing more. I like when people now send me an email that says, I'd love to pick your brain. I go, well, picking my brain is going to cost you 300 bucks an hour. And every, and every educator, honestly, if you're listening to this and you are an educator who was involved in esports at any level and you get anybody outside of the education sphere, fellow teachers, that's one other thing, you know, talking to principals, talking to other educators, that's a whole other thing. I, I you know, you all get the discount people coming who are, you know, private sector or whatever. Look, if you've got the money to start a business, you got the money to pay me for my my intellectual property, my thoughts. If you really if you really want to know what they are, I mean, I give the podcast away for nothing. I don't take any sponsorships. Listen to that. You know, you can maybe find what you're looking for there, but don't insult us by just coming to us and say, "Hey, just give it away for nothing." And and I think again, there are some of us who have figured that out, and there's some who haven't. And hopefully, we can help those who haven't realize that they're hurting all of us a little bit sometimes to me that's that's been the hardest part of all this all this growth is again the 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 people who get stakes at tables wow that sounds really funny to say stakes at tables people who get a seat at the table who have not done the work who have and 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 but have have spoken on the subject but never actually done the sweat equity it's amazing to me to see how easy that's happening right now. And so again, I think it's because a lot of us have pushed, started to push back and say, well, you know, pay me for my time or so on and so forth. But, you know, that's been, I think the hardest thing to see is not just our association, but as other associations have grown up and I see people do the work, the people who are not doing the work who are now getting recognition for no reason whatsoever. So, but let's, let's juxtapose that. What's been your favorite part of all this, Mike? What's been the best thing that's come out of like the Wisconsin high school esports station? The thing that you're like, that's awesome. I've got my own ideas, but I want to hear what you say. Um, I would say the first state championship, that first physical one that we ran at game on. In Fond du Lac. Uh, yeah. Uh, despite a lot of things going bad that day. Um the fact that when I gave like just the opening address, whatever you want to call that, the the players meeting, mm-hmm. just seeing a whole room filled with like 150 kids all wearing different jerseys representing their school. Like that was, that was super cool. And yeah. I mean, I think for me, that was an 18 hour day. I was there at 7am and I didn't get back to my buddy's house until like 1115 Mm-hmm. I fell asleep with my shoes on, my coat on, my hat on. I just, I just crashed. So, but I mean, to me, that that was the coolest experience um, getting to do something like that, and and not COVID friendly in these days because my God, we had that place packed. I mean, kids were laying everywhere. I I would imagine that if the fire marshal had come in and counted heads, we would have been close, <laughs> but. To me, it was the first year was beautiful in its own way. And there's stories from my own scholar gamers that came out from that day that I found absolutely beautiful. My favorite, I will share this one. I don't really share a whole lot of stories about the kids, but I think this one really is. It talks about how the day went. 
our Horlick High School Overwatch team was tops, one of the tops in the state. And I think they lost a semifinal. Like they lost early in the day. Like they were, they should have been playing to the end and they lost early in the day. They disappeared and they had been fighting with each other all morning. They disappeared. I mean, they had already been eliminated from the tournament. There was a park nearby and they spent like six hours at the park as a team just hanging out. And I mean, it wasn't a hot day. It was a cold day too. It was like one of the first or one of the last cold days of the year. But what was amazing is just how those kids at the end of it, just were, it was still all about play to them. It was still all about just coming together and playing. And it didn't matter if it was while we did create this great experience for them. We, we sometimes give ourselves a lot of credit for the experience we create. And really a lot of times it's the kids who create that experience too, that gets lost sometimes. But to see them that day was just phenomenal. That's not to say you didn't do great work, Mike, because you did, because then you followed up the next year with what I thought was a true, was a tremendous success for our second uh, state association championship at Madison college, Madison technical college. I was blown away by the day. I'm going to give you your props because I was blown away by the day. I was blown away by just how Madison college uh, took, took to the event and said, yeah, we'll give you all this space and we're going to open up the food service and you're going to have all this room for you to lay out. I mean, there was not a space problem there to be had either. No. And, and I think too, like hosting that event there has, has kicked it off for them too. Like it, it justified it to, to that school too. Cause I think throughout the day, like rough estimate numbers here, but there was like two to 300 additional people that kind of came to just see what was going on. Cause there was like a youth basketball tournament going on as well. Mm -hmm. And so those kids were hearing all the, the commotion there. And so they, and then parents were coming over and just to, just to see what was happening. And I mean, yeah, if we could find something that's got that much space again, like even, if, even with COVID, at least maybe we could do, competitors only on specific times but you know right. that, that's very wishful thinking but um yeah that was that that went so much better than than the first one but uh and i well i think if i think if madison college had taken photos or if we you know i know that we had the press out there and everything uh, I, I think there's going to be potentially schools or technical colleges or universities that are going to be fighting for this. I know we were supposed to be in the spring up in um, Montello. Montello, yes. We were going to go all way north. Oh, well, yeah, up there. But um, I know that we'll probably have schools that are going to be wanting to have these competitions, uh, either, like I said, colleges or universities or high schools, because it does draw kids from all over. And I think that this can become a huge, huge event. So with, with all of that said, and I know we've only got a few minutes left. Um, I did also to give you some of the early questions I was going to ask about just, let's talk about esports in general. We gave you, we asked about what was the thing that was the hardest part about forming an association and what's been the, one of the best things. Let's talk about esports in general. What has been the thing in esports that you wish you could change? Just in esports, and it could be if if it's not scholastic, that's fine. But what's the thing you wish in esports would just change? That developers answer my emails. <laughs> that's that, the developer two way communication. Uh, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many how many emails that I've sent. I I've, I mean emails, tweets, uh, joining discords trying to get in contact with, with some of these people um, just so that way we can have that two-way communication. Cause I think that's extremely vital because I understand like we're playing on IP. We're not playing basketball or soccer, mm -hmm. you know, like nobody owns those two. Somebody owns these titles and I want to open those doors so that we can make it better um, and more inclusive to everyone and really try to remove some of the barriers that I don't know if they, if they know that they have them even. I, I just can't fathom why, let's take Riot, for example, because I've already talked about Riot, and I'm going to just talk about it. If you want to grow your brand, don't restrict it. You know, don't, don't, you're already giving it away for free. Why then restrict it down? Or, you know, as I talked about having a, like when I, with my virtual program, I have to go through NCAA certification. 
And so by going through that certification, there was a process that I got my program okayed. I would love to see for developers to have that kind of a process where they could work with an association to say, hey, we understand you want to use our game title. Here's what you need to do in order to get yourself cleared. You know, that process. And, and you know, it's not its not even just Riot, too. Um, no, it's, I'm, I'm just using them as the yeah, example. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not trying to get them, I'm not trying to pick on them, but... It could be Blizzard. It could be Epic. It could be, you know, and so, park baseball. It could be whomever. So, and here's here's been my take on this, um, and and this goes to like all the developers and even the national leagues too, right? I do believe that the national leagues have a place, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not to funnel everybody into them. Because the way that you look at this, those national leagues, if you're a highly competitive team, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a league out there because that's that's a title that I play a lot of, right? Mm-hmm. If you're an average platinum or higher, the national league is probably a good spot for you because that's higher competition. You're going to have those stronger games, right? That's something that we can't do in traditional athletics, mm-hmm. but we have that opportunity to do with esports what they should be doing is allowing our state associations to grow their player base, right. And still target those people that want to compete who maybe aren't the gold members. Like maybe they're just brand new to the game and they want to compete with a team and Mm -hmm. be a part of a team. But that also means that they don't want to get smashed every single week because that doesn't inspire them to keep playing the game. It doesn't inspire them to keep being a team member breaks their communication with the school. So, I mean, there is a place for these national leagues, but I think let, let us keep doing what we're doing and help grow your player base. We're like, we're literally promoting for free. your mm-hmm. titles. And yep. especially something like rocket league that's going free to play. Um, that's also cross platform, which is awesome. And then league of legends, like two free titles. If we, expand like we are like we could be at 120 schools here soon this year we're mm-hmm. talking we're promoting your your game to 120 schools and if kids are on there the i don't know what the conversion rate is but i mean i would be willing to bet at some point in their life maybe they drop five to ten dollars on some sort of cosmetic mm-hmm. from a business standpoint like that's free money right and you didn't do any of the work. You let us volunteers do all this work and promote your stuff for free. Mm-hmm. So let us kind of do our thing, work with us so we can even make it better. We yeah. can promote it even further and, and really help grow esports across the country. So with that said, what's been your favorite thing about esports? Um, all this? My favorite thing, it goes always back to the kids. Um, some of the most fun. I believe that when you say that, I want to, I want that, that sometimes is a statement that could get lost. I don't want that statement to get lost because I honestly believe that Mike. It's true. I'm, I'm, I have so many stories of fun game nights. Like my fun Fridays are, I have so many fun memories. Um, I was in a smash tournament with the kids and there was another staff member, Brandon, um, that was that was in the tournament too. And we just both so happened to be on the same side of the bracket and we met in like the quarterfinals. And there was so much screaming and shouting going in the room and the kids were all like huddled around, like screaming over. And like, it's so much fun. It, it builds that humility between both and that connection with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I mean, I still have students that who are in college when they come home on spring break and stuff like that, I'll, I'll go take them out to dinner or I'll come cool. and come over and I'll cook for them um, just because of that experience that we've had. And I mean, I used to take time out of my day and I, I'm, I can say this now because I don't work at Arrowhead anymore, but I had a student Griff um, who would talk the most smack out of any student that I had mm-hmm. and, you know, despite be, him being wheelchair bound and having some limited mobility, um, he would trash talk all day and I would like <laughs> figure out and I would be like, what hour do you have study hall today? Cause I'm tired <laughs> of you running your mouth. I'm, we're going to go play NHL in the school store and I'm going to, I'm just going to whoop up on you. <laughs> but again, like I would, 
you know, try to find some coverage for my classroom so I could sneak off for 10 minutes and, and at least let it throw down for a little bit, you know, but again, that's the connection that I, I, I was able to build with some of my students just from playing video games. And those are the ones that, again, you know, some kids don't have anything. We know that they don't have a good family connection, even in the, even in wealthy communities, even in, you know, what you may look and say, oh, this, this community has got it all put together really nicely. I've worked in all those places and I have seen. You don't hear their voices because they don't speak up. Right. So they just try to ghost through. Yeah. Well, Mike Dolly, I think this has been an excellent interview. I will say so. We'll, we'll put this in the, in the hall of fame for the Academy of Esports. Is there anything else that you want to promote before uh, we get out of here today? Um, I mean, I'm just going to shout out to everybody that's, that's doing something within this space with the student center and their thoughts. Um, shout out to all the other state associations. The, I heard you guys did karaoke after I logged off last night too. We did do a secret show last night. Yes. Um, so it I, was impromptu because nobody would leave the chat. I, I missed that. Um, but, uh, you know, the esports EDU community is, is super, um, optimistic and, and gives me a lot of hope moving forward. Um, I mean, shout out to, to the, the college directors and coaches, um, because I know how much work and effort that you're putting into. And I've, I've, I've seen how much you're getting compensated for some of that. So some, not at all. Exactly. So big props to those, uh, who are running some of those programs too. Um, this isn't a super glamorous job right now, but hopefully in the future we can make it somewhat glamorous. Um, at the very least it's, it's great for our kids. Well, with that, Mike Dolly, Thank you for being a guest on the Academy of Esports podcast today. That will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. Esports are organized competitive video games, allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote good physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We can never forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. You may follow me on Twitter at Jim O'Hagan. That's at J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N. And through the Academy of Esports account at T-A-O Esports. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts podcast episodes and news coming out of esports and education and remember you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com you can also connect through facebook at www.facebook.com slash tao esports thanks again for listening and i look forward to our time again next week